Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I'm your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast has two purposes. Purpose number one, Regan, to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. Purpose number two, to educate and inform our audience and listeners. With that, we have a special guest today. I am very excited because we care about the same thing within the same industry, real estate and technology. Regan McGee is the founder and chairman of, founder, chairman and CEO of Noble. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Noble Technologies. Noble Technology. He is a technology and real estate industry visionary leading Noble's charge to empower consumers and put them in the driver's seat when it comes to buying and selling residential real estate. He has 20 plus years of experience running complex organizations and has built a world-class award-winning company that is positioned to disrupt the $5 trillion real estate industry. Regan is an economist and chartered investment manager by training. He is also a licensed real estate broker and a member of both Canadian Real Estate Association and the Ontario Real Estate Association. Regan earned his Bachelor of Arts degree in economics from Queen's University. Regan, welcome to the show. Tell us in your own words a little bit about you. Thank you so much, Jerome. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, as you said, we're interested in the same thing. So this is, this is absolutely fantastic being here. Um, I uh, My whole career has been in real estate investment and development. Um, I've been in the business for 20 years. So, you know, the listeners that are investors and developers, I've obviously got a few things in common with them. Uh, six and a half years ago, I founded a tech company, Noble. And um, we are um, fundamentally different from anybody else in the space. We're uh, really focused on empowering consumers. And just to be clear, that doesn't mean that it's at the expense of brokers or professionals. Um, but it, it does mean that uh, that's where our focus is. So, um, you know, there's some brokers that are not particularly focused on customers. They generally don't do well on our platform. Uh, the, the, you know, hundreds of thousands of brokers, though, that are focused on consumers do fantastically well on our platform. So, um, yeah, absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you. I'm excited because we care about the same thing and I can't wait to talk about it. So with that, we have a list of questions. I'm going to kick those questions off. Uh, in your opinion, right, based on all of your experience, I was checking out your LinkedIn too. Very impressive. In your opinion, tell us the most important personality trait you need to have to be successful in what it is that you do. Uh, I think it's, that, this is a really easy one for me to answer. It's tenacity. It's just relentless tenacity. Um, the... Um, you know, the attitude where I will not quit, I will succeed and I'll do whatever it takes to succeed. Um, obviously, whatever it takes means, you know, within legal and ethical uh, boundaries, but um, just, you know, every day there are, there are new challenges. Some days are more challenging than others. And I think in my experience, what differentiates uh, successful people from those that are less successful is, you know, the ability to pick yourself up uh, after you get knocked down and, you know, go, go back and fight another day. And, uh, you know, with that, that type of a perspective, in my experience, it just, it will lead to success. It's just a matter of time. Awesome. Thank you. And so Noble, like, could you, in one or two sentences, you are, you already told us what it is. So let me not ask that. Let me ask you, like, where did the idea and the concept come from? Could you tell us about that? 
Yeah. Um, so it was six and a half years ago. Um, I was uh, at lunch with a friend of mine. We both uh, were working at Brookfield a long time ago together, you know, obviously big real estate uh, company. And um, uh, we were talking about changes that were coming to the industry. And uh, I was focused on um, larger scale commercial projects for investors um, through a fund that, that I was running. Uh, he was focused on residential uh, real estate um, new construction as well as resale. And um, uh, I, I, I mentored him. He, he started uh, at Brookfield uh, fresh out of college. Um, and I kind of took him under my way and, and helped guide him a bit. And um, um, with the changes that were coming into the space, uh, he had just come back from uh, Inman in New York. And he was telling me about, you know, the amazing things that, you know, the amazing technology changes that were uh, happening in real estate. And um, and then I started sort of asking him just out of curiosity if he could tell me about them, and he did. And when, when he was telling me about them, I started realizing that um, he wasn't really talking about uh, significant changes. It was more tech and. I saw a lost connection there. Is that all good? Um, and yeah, and so he wasn't really talking about the. Um, you know, the, the massive changes that were coming to the industry he was more talking about, you know, these, these minor changes that were, you know, basically tools that enabled him to do his existing job just a little bit more easily. And I was trying to give him advice on, um, you know, the changes that were coming into the industry. And I, and I told him, I said, look, there's gonna be some major change that's going to come to this industry where the whole industry will be fundamentally disrupted. And you can either, you know, be, a, be ahead of it and do, you know, be very successful or you can get left behind. And, um, and he actually asked me, he said, well, you know, people have been talking about this major shift that's going to come to the industry, um, but nobody's been able to tell me anything that's actually, you know, credible in terms of, you know, what that change will look like. And he said to me, he said, Regan, if you can tell me what that change is going to look like, um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll pay attention. And I was like, okay, all right, there's a challenge. And, um, and I said to him, I said, what if somebody finally puts power in the hands of the consumer? There's only one person showing up to a transaction with money, and that's the that's the person buying the property or selling the property. And uh, and I said, what if somebody actually flips the whole industry upside down? And you know, everybody I'm sure listening here knows that the primary job is, um, you know, it, it's getting deal flow, it's getting customer customers. If you're really good at buying and selling real estate, it doesn't matter if you if you have no customers. And so, um, you know, I said. What if somebody created a marketplace where real estate agents could compete in real time for deal flow and it would be designed for the consumer? So the consumer would seek real data points on, you know, list to sell price ratio, average days on market, um, property types sold, neighborhoods sold and property values. And it's all and the agents are competing in a real time dynamic environment. So there's downward pressure on commission and there's upward pressure on value to the customer. I said, would that be disruptive? And is that something that you think would you know, make you a little nervous? And he just went silent. <laughs> and I said, I pressed him again. I said, would that, you know, what do you think if somebody did that? And he said, you don't think anyone's gonna do that, do you? And literally after I left the lunch, I called my lawyers and I said, I got an idea on something I think, you know, I think I'm gonna do. And uh, that was six and a half years ago. Wow, I, I so, what I really like about that is like in our industry, especially amongst the agents, uh, people get really um, 
scared and they don't like like the big companies and one specifically is Zillow. They always talk about like how Zillow is, oh, they're these this company and they're taking our business from us. And I'm kind of the opposite. I, I love Zillow because of what you said earlier. Like it, it puts pressure, like you said, downward pressure on the commissions and upward pressure on the value. And the bottom line is that as long as people don't provide value, as long as you provide value and you're always looking to provide value to the consumer, Zillow is a tool. It's a resource for you. It's not a competitor. It's not an enemy. And people don't want to adjust to the changes that, you know, technology brings for us and they kind of go out of business. So um, I admire that. I appreciate that. And I love like, listen, I, they, they're going to hang me at the stake, but I absolutely love Zillow because it may it means if I want to be successful and I want to continue in this business, I need to provide value. I can't do the same stuff over and over again. Jerome, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Zillow is clearly a valuable tool. There are tens of millions of people that go every single month to Zillow because there's something of value there. And so realtors can either decide to use that tool and be successful uh, with the assistance of that tool, or they can try to ignore it and stick their heads in the sand. It's like one of those solutions will work and the other one won't. And so, I mean, Zillow is just, you know, it's one of the many tools out there. There are lots of places where you know, agents can get deal flow if it's whether it's buying ads or, you know, lead generation platforms or, you know, or I mean, there's there's countless uh, tools out there to help agents. And if you see them as the enemy, which obviously you don't, which is why you're so successful, um, you know, for the people that do see them as, as the enemy, they're never going to be successful. You, you know, embracing the embracing the future, embracing the technology that is important to the customers and using that to help the customers. That's that's the recipe for success. Exactly. And I have a uh, I have a colleague that I teach with and she always talks about Zillow. She's like, well, you don't have to care about it, but this is what the consumer sees. Right. Yeah. Zillow, they became so good at marketing or ranking number one on Google. That's where all their customers go, whether the Zestimates are correct or not. That's what they're seeing. And we have to adjust to that. So um, yep. speaking of tools, we have uh, we have a question. Tell us uh, what underrated tools are in- indispensable for it says job, but what you do, give us an un- underrated tool that's indispensable. Underrated. Um, okay, so I don't know if it's underrated or not, but I will mention a tool. Um, so we're in 36 states. Uh, we're also across Canada. We're originally Canadian, even though we're mostly American now. Um, I'll give a shout out to another Canadian company, Slack. Um, Slack is extremely valuable. Um, they're, they're, um, it's, it's a tool that our business uses every day. And uh, especially, um, you know, our company being in uh, California and Florida and Texas and New York and Toronto, um, having the ability to communicate in real time with people um, is indispensable. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Slack. It is a phenomenally uh, powerful tool. So I know I know you understand tech when you mention Slack. Not a lot of people know about that. So I, I know you know it. With that, we so I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. You know, these things happen. But I mentioned I was like uh, for myself, I said the next question is what's one thing about your field of expertise that almost almost no one agrees with you about? And that was me and Zillow. Like, I love Zillow and I think it needs to be there because it forces us to increase value. So I pose the same question to you. What's something that. Uh, one thing about your expertise that almost no one agrees with you about. Um, so, okay, this is an interesting question. It's a really interesting question. because I find that I spend my time split between kind of two worlds. Um, my company is a two-sided marketplace. Our supply side is, you know, realtors and every, all professionals. And then our demand side is the customer. And both of them think that entirely different things are impossible. 
which is really interesting. Uh, when I'm talking to realtors, they, they talk about all these things that are impossible that consumers take as a given. And then when I'm talking to the customers, they take all these things, all these things are impossible that realtors think of as a given. So, so it's a really interesting technology I, or uh, difference. I think one of the, um, one of the interesting things about uh, the world is, you know, the technology uh, that, uh, that's changing, the way it's changing the world. And if I were going to say um, one thing that people think is impossible, um, I'd say the disruption that's already already entered our industry. Um, we're going through a fundamental disruption and a fundamental change in the in the industry that we're in. Um, I think that um, you know it, we, our industry's functioned the same way basically since the late 1800s, and I think in the next 20 years it will be unrecognizable from how it is today. Um, and um, and so that's something that some people disagree with me on. Uh, I think a lot of people disagree with me on, but I can I can already see it happening. Uh, and so yeah, that that would be yeah that would be the one thing for me. I, I agree with you, and I think it will happen even sooner because you know <laughs> technology how it like exp it's, it gets exponential, and we always talk about like there is a. Um, uh, what do you call it? An exodus of agents like each year. And I, like I teach, so I've been teaching for a while and I, I know that they are struggling with this technology situation. And the further and further it gets ahead, the more we get behind as human beings. So you got to find out a way to like get used to it. We don't want to get used to it. Or we, won't, we don't want to use the technology. And because of that, we fall behind. We're never going to catch up, but we have to learn how to use it in our best interest. We have to learn how to use it for the customers, learn how to use it for the client. And one of the, one of my biggest things is like, it's even simple stuff. It's like, hey, get out there and put yourself on video, right? Address your customers and clients. Use video. Like that's a piece of technology that you can use. You can adapt. Uh, there's a stat that 80% of the buyers and consumers are watching videos, but it's like less than 80% of the agents are using video. So mm -hmm. something as simple as that could like escalate you if you utilize the technology correctly. So. Yeah, Jerome, I, I totally agree with you. And I, you know, one of the one of the cool things that you do is you educate people on tools that they can use to improve their business. One of the challenges I find is a lot of people are afraid of these tools. They they look at them and they're they're afraid to actually kind of take the leap. Like like you, you're talking about video. How many people are listening to this podcast right now that have heard that stat and they're like, wow, that's really interesting, but they're not going to do anything about it. You know, like yeah. like just just try it like don't don't worry about being embarrassed don't worry about you know what what people in your office are going to think about you or you know like get, just do it it's not, like there's there's nothing holding you back nothing and so you mentioned or uh, uh you mentioned like there's two sides of like your technology, like the consumer technology. And the same thing here, like I find that we have a hard time empathizing, right? And that's like we as agents or business owners, we need to empathize. If you were a client or a customer, wouldn't you like to see somebody on video? Mm -hmm. Yes. So do the same thing. So you can serve your customers and your clients, right? So absolutely. I mean, it builds trust, it builds a connection. It's you know, it's indispensable in 2022. I, you know, we've all spent the last two and a half years on video. Like, come on, get with the times, people. <laughs> yeah, get with the times and, right, and get with the technology. Like, don't you want an agent that's equipped with all of this technology, right? It's overwhelming, but you can use it as, you could put it in your arsenal. Don't you want somebody that's representing you and that can utilize those tools if you are a c consumer? So we need to provide that same service to our I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, one of the things that we do is, I mean, we track everything on our platform in real time and we analyze the data 
and we build it for the customer. So if a, if a you know a, somebody on our platform is looking for something or trying to do something a certain way, we adapt to it. And why do we do that? It's because it increases our, our conversion rates, which turns into revenue. I mean, we are we're a business, we're a tech company, but we're not just doing science experiments. We're we're real business. This this impacts our bottom line, which Jerome, I think, is part of what you're getting at, right? It's if if you adopt these technologies that are valuable to the customer then it will impact your bottom line in a positive way. If you expect the customers to adapt to you, you you're going to have a really tough time. That's not the world we live in anymore. Yes, exactly. We all want what we want when we want it. And if we could just empathize, like that's the key thing, like empathize. What do you want? What would you like to see? Right. Your business, you came in this business, you came to serve and that's what you should do. Empathize, see what they want, do give them what they want and you'll be successful. So uh, next question, tell me, in your opinion, no, that, that's incorrect. Uh, tell me about the biggest challenge you're facing currently and how you're tackling it. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I mean, we're in such an interesting time, right? I mean, NASDAQ's down, what, 23% or something year to date. Um, technologies, uh, you know, um, it's a it's uh, it's almost toxic for, for some people. I think one of the... Uh, things that is good that's happening right now is I think there's essentially a shakeout of, of kind of tech companies that's happening where, um, you know, the, the years of, uh, you know, like just empty revenue with no path to profitability and kind of no underlying fundamental business model are, are done. And um, I think that in particular, the industry that we're in, there are a lot of those. Um, you know, not being kind of caught up in that um, in that group is something that is uh, you know it's it's a bit of a challenge for us. Um, we uh, just in the capital markets, we're we're often kind of lumped in with some companies that you know. I, if I have the chance to explain to people how we're different, we're fundamentally different from them. But um, I think that uh, you know, technology in twenty twenty two is um, and I think correctly, the whole industry is seen as, you know, no, not the whole industry, but a lot of the industry is seen as a bunch of hot air. And I think that um, it's a challenge for companies that are real businesses um, to kind of differentiate themselves. And, you know, based on kind of what I what I assume most listeners are here, uh, we're all in real businesses. So I'm sure people can appreciate that, you know, um, being kind of lumped in with some of the you know, smoke and mirror tech companies is, uh, it's a challenge. And uh, um, uh, that I, I think it's actually going to escalate. Um, there were some major fines handed out earlier this month by the FTC. I think there's going to be quite a bit more. I think there are going to be some SEC actions against some uh, real estate technology companies coming and um, not, um, you know, having people understand that we're very different from those companies. I think it's, it's a real challenge right now. Yeah, and there was a, I believe it could have been three weeks ago by now. Uh, there's a company next door that just, uh, they just got in a lot of trouble on, you know, they weren't being fully transparent with their business model. So, yeah, like you said, I think we'll see more and more of that. I, I totally agree. And it was, it was Open Door, actually. And Open, open Door. Yeah. And, and they, yeah, they got hit with a fine. I think it was like 50 million or something, but it's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, they've got billions of dollars a year of transactions. And on the one hand, they're telling customers, 
well, we're buying your home for market value and then reselling it. And the customers are going, well, how can you make money if you're buying my home and reselling it and you're paying market value? Because you're either buying it for below market value and then reselling it and making a profit, or you're never going to make any money. You're just going to be buying it and selling it for the same price. And you have a whole bunch of carrying costs and everything else. So you're actually losing money. So that's what the customer is kind of wondering. And then the shareholders are being told something entirely different, right? So I think, um, uh, yeah, I think the iBuyers and some of the others in the space are, uh, I think they're facing a real challenge. And um, I suspect there's going to be um, uh, some major lawsuits and um, major class action suits. And I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of change coming to that part of the business pretty soon. Absolutely. And uh, jumping back a little bit, we talked about like technology and like the sphere of adapting and adjusting to it. Uh, I have to do some research and get some hard facts on this. But when I think about and when I think about like the biggest companies, they're usually companies that are backed by like powerful technology. Typically, Mm -hmm. I, I think of Google, Facebook and even Zillow, like usually these companies, they they went so far because they utilize technology and even like I'm licensed broker here too in uh, in the States and like EXP, they shot up because of like the technology. And I I think people that are trying to run away from technology are in trouble. Uh, Like I said, I have to find out some stats. You probably know more than me, you know, with your degree in economics and everything like that. But the biggest companies that I think about, at least on the consumer front, is like those companies, technology based or technology supported companies. Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at a traditional business, I mean, they're making, you know, 10% margins, 20% margins. Uh, When you look at, you know, every dollar that's invested into a traditional business, if they can return, you know, 20 uh, 20 cents off of that dollar in a year, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, as a tech company, our fixed costs are, are fairly fixed and then everything else is variable. So, um, you know, it costs us a couple million a month to run the business, but then everything beyond that, is um variable so it's you know marketing and um if if, you know when you when you look at scaling a business that's something that again is fundamentally different from a from a tech company to a traditional business like you know a traditional real estate brokerage for instance um um and uh you know I'll, i'll talk about compass i guess when you know when they open up new states they spend tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of dollars right they have bricks and mortar they have um, you know, managers, they pay agents to leave their brokerages and come and join Compass on, you know, multi-year contracts. It's, it's very time consuming. It's very expensive. When we open up a new state, I mean, we get licensed to integrate the data feeds, you know, we're ready to go. <laughs> That's it. Um, so, um, and we actually make more off of each transaction than the traditional brokerages do. So it's, um, yeah, you know, which business do you want to be in? Uh, I, I can tell you, I spoke with, uh, the CEO of uh, one of the biggest brokerages um, in the world. I don't want to give it away, but uh, uh, it was it was an interesting meeting, and um, and you know he sort of said, well, you know this is a this is a sort of a novelty, and none of my none of my agents would ever be on your platform. And I wasn't expecting him to say that, and I took a bit of a risk, and I just said to him, I said, well, why don't you just put up your home for sale on my platform and see who bids on it? You might be surprised. And sure enough, within 30 seconds, he had five bids and three of the agents were uh, were ones that were for his brokerage. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the funny thing is that I said to him and he's like, wait, wait, how much, you know, and how much are you making off of this? I mean, I'll say I'll, it's it's open. We make half a percent of the property value, but, but we spend millions of dollars a month to get high quality deal flow. And there's, 
you know, like, like for an agent, there's no upfront costs, there's no subscriptions, like to pay a half percent success fee. And we spend all that money to get you the good deals and we help you close them. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a very low cost of doing business. Um, but you know, that half a percent, it's more than he makes off of each one of those transactions. And he said to me, he said, I pay all their overhead. I've got office space for them. I've got all the lawsuits I got to deal with. I, you know, and, uh, and he's saying, you know, I'm lucky if I make, you know, three per, uh, sorry, three percent, three basis points at the end, you know, when it's all said and done and you're making 50. <laughs> I said to him, I said, well, yeah, you know, it's like, um, welcome to the new world. This is, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could, could you tell us like a, a, a overview, like a high level overview on how the platform works for the agent as well as the consumer? Yeah, for sure. So for the agent, um, yeah, no upfront costs, no subscriptions. Um, you sign up uh, with your license number, you get validated uh, and then you can bid on deal flow. So uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, and you'll see, you know, uh, for wherever your license trade, whatever property types you want to sell or, or represent buyers on. Um, you can get, you'll get those deals and you'll get notifications of, you know, there's a house at one, two, three main street. Uh, you know, uh, this is the price range the seller's thinking it's going to be in. Do you want to bid on, do you want to represent this seller? And you can say like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, you know, charge, you know, four and three quarters of a percent. I'll include these services. And, um, so it's, you know, it's really easy to use for, for a realtor from the consumer side, they see the other side of that platform. So they go on. They see, you know, that agent that bid on, you know, they put up their property. They see the agents that are bidding on their property and they see it in real time. And again, they're not bidding to buy or sell the property. They're bidding, bidding to represent them. So for both sides, there's no cost. There's no subscriptions. There's no ads. It's totally transparent. It's totally agnostic. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a really clear, uh, dynamic, easy to use platform. And as I'm sure everybody else here uh, knows, there's not, I mean, there's nothing else in the world like it. There's nothing else that's dynamic like that. There's nothing else that's real time. There's nothing else that's serving the consumer. And, you know, some realtors might say, well, this is going to, you know, erode uh, my commission. And like, yeah, I mean, realistically, you're not going to be charging 6%, but you can say, look, I'll charge four and three quarters. And here's why, here's my track record. And with that four and three quarters, by the way, you can do 40 deals a year off my, on my platform. And so instead of doing, you know, the, I'm sure everybody here knows 80% of realtors do less than four transactions a year. Instead of the four transactions at, you know, five or 6%, you do, you know, 30 at four and three quarters. Oh, and by the way, Zillow, as we've talked about, it's a great tool, but when you're buying Zillow ads, there's no guarantees. I mean, you can spend 300 grand on Zillow ads and get nothing. Um, you can buy leads from a lead generation platform for, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars and get, and get nothing for it. Um, you can cover a neighborhood and, you know, in flyers, if we want to go old school and talk, you know, talk about that. And there's no guarantees of anything back um, on my platform. There's no risk to either side. So for the buyers and sellers, there's no risk for the uh, agents. There's no risk because again, they're only paying us success fees and we spend millions of dollars a month getting them high quality deal flow and helping them close those transactions. So for both sides, it works. That said, if an agent doesn't want to provide good quality service to the consumer, they're not going to survive on our platform. So we'll kick them off. That's how it should be. And while you were talking, I was like, man, that that is uh, definitely disruptive. And yeah. I would like to uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to recommend a ton of agents over to that platform because that's that's unbelievable. That is absolutely unbelievable. I uh, I would like to we got to figure out something where we talk about this in the future, because I, I know plenty of people that could benefit from utilizing this platform. Uh, you just show up and as long as you provide a high quality service, you'll do fine. Right. Yep. So, that's, that's it. But that's but that's the key, Jerome. That's the you key. Exactly. 
yeah, you got to provide that high quality service. And you know, one of the one of the things that's different from us versus you know anyone else in the industry, we kick agents off literally every single day because they don't reply to the you know if a buyer or seller wants to you know. Uh, you know, if they book a showing to see a property and the agent doesn't show up, we kick them off our platform. If the if they're chasing their agent and they're like, look, I've been calling this guy for three days and emailing and they're not getting back to me, we kick them off our platform. Like, like we are we're there to serve agents that want to do a really good job, we serve them. The customers, we serve them. So as long as they're as long as they're providing value and doing their job properly, we'll give them as much deal flow as they can handle. So that that is uh that is very disruptive in, yes. <laughs> in a good way. That is so disruptive in a good way. And I support it because we should just be in life, we should be providing as much value as possible to people. When somebody comes to us, we should be providing as much value as possible. If you can't provide that value, then they, I, what do they call it? The um I forget, but you, you shouldn't survive if you can't provide that value. Go get another job, move to another platform or something. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I mean, this is a this is a platform where agents that are living a life of purpose, where they want to give and provide value, do phenomenally well. Uh, it's one where the one you know the ones where they're trying to gouge customers and you know charge like you know one of the amazing things is actually since I started this company is I couldn't believe just how much nonsense there is in the business. Like people are telling me they're like, oh my realtor gave me such a good deal. You know they only they gave me a discount, so I'm only paying five and a half percent. And, uh, but, you know, I still paid like the, the $5,000 MLS fee and I'm going, what are you talking about? $500, MLS fee. And that's like, that's honestly the most common one I hear. It's the MLS fee. I, you know, I didn't know this was like a thing in our industry that these, these, you know, less than honest agents go out and tell people like, oh, you know, this MLS fee. I was like, and you, and you wouldn't believe how many times I've heard that from people. I'm like, that's not a thing. Like, that doesn't exist. Like, your agent did not give you a discount. You actually just paid like six and three quarters of a percent. And your agent convinced you that you were going to get a discount. Yeah, and I that's my first time ever hearing of an MLS fee. When I hear that, I'm thinking of like, that's the fee we pay. So exactly. I've never heard of that before. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got one more business question, then I'll get to some personal questions, and uh, then we can get to the closing table. So the the one more business question: Tell us a myth about your a myth, a common myth that you hear about the industry. Yeah, about what you do, your industry, the technology, um, anything. Yeah, I think uh, it's a, wow, it's an interesting. You you ask really interesting questions. I got to think about all of these. Um, okay. Inter um, what's a, what's a common myth? I think, uh, I think for the customer, um, uh, um, a common myth with, um, <laughs> this is going to really anger a lot of people, but I'm going to say it anyway, a common myth is that you get what you pay for. And, uh, and I think that unfortunately you don't always get what you pay for. I think, um, some buyers and sellers, you know, with, um, you know, they think, well, I'm, I'm with, you know, using a realtor that's with Sotheby's or something, I'm paying 6%. I'm going to get a first class, you know, service treatment the whole time. And that's not always the case. I think that's a, I think it's a really common myth in our industry. Um, and also with some of these, you know, discount brokerages and stuff, um, depending on who you get at them, you can actually get a phenomenally good experience. So, um, I think, uh, I think the myth is that you get what you pay for. I, I think that is a myth, especially more now because of what I learned from you today and how that technology works. So I support I support that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so 
next, we're going to move on to the personal questions. And then uh, I have what I like to call bonus questions. And then we close it out, closing table. So personal questions about you. Tell us about your biggest failure and what you learned from that experience. Wow. Biggest failure. Um, I, I have a long list and I'm proud that I have a long list because if I didn't have a long list, it, meant, it means that I'm not really trying. I'm not really pushing. So in my business, uh, in my company in particular, um, it's a safe place to fail and uh, people don't get um, beaten up for failing. It's something that um, if you make the same mistake over and over again, that's a different, that's a different story. But um, um, yeah, I think biggest failure probably would be, um, I think spending too much money too early on an enterprise level product um, before I had the fundamentals working properly. Um, we're now uh, at a point where we're doing, um, you know, like thousands of, of transactions a month. Um, so we're not, um, you know, we're, we're, we are enterprise now, but um, I, I overspent uh, on something too early basically. And that was, that was a mistake. I should have focused on the fundamentals. Um, and, uh, and it caused me a lot of stress <laughs> and I wish I had, in retrospect, I shouldn't have done it that way. Okay. Thank you. If, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, what would it be? I'll tie it right back to the last question. It's okay to fail. Um, if you're, if, you know, if you fail and you sort of pick yourself up and try again, I think there's nothing, you know, nothing more honorable than that. I think sitting on the sidelines and watching life pass you by, I think that's kind of, that's something people should be a little bit embarrassed about. Um, when I was 18, I didn't understand that. I thought, um, you know, I thought there was some sort of embarrassment that came with failure. Um, there isn't any. And, uh, and like I said earlier, if you're not failing, it means you're not trying hard enough. Everybody fails. And, you know, the small failures help you win the bigger, the bigger battles. And so I yeah. agree. 100%. There is a, to go back to the video topic, I always, cause people are so, I don't want to look silly. I don't want to fail. I always share my mistakes. I still make mistakes to this day. And I've been doing video like videos for like three years and I still fail. It's like, actually, I like to share those so people can see and they laugh at them. They get the most engagement. So it's like exactly what you said. If you're not failing, you're not trying. I, yeah, I, re I remember reading a book when I was uh, 18 on perfectionism. And it was funny my mom, my mom gave it to me. And I still remember kind of looking at it. I was like, really perfectionism like me. And it was one of those books that I still, I'm 42 now and I read it when I was 18 and I still remember it so clearly. And it just, it was one of those books that changed my life. Yeah, Jerome, I couldn't agree with you more. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Um, I would like to be remembered as someone that helped change the biggest industry in the world uh, for the better. Um, we are in uh, all of us listening, you know, here today, um, we're in the biggest asset class in the world, biggest industry in the world. Um, we all have the ability to, you know, to help people with what we do. And I would like to be remembered as someone who actually made it better and helped people. That's, that's what I'd really love to be remembered for. Thank you. So next we're going to move on to the bonus questions. And these are, they're like made to stop you kind of. So <laughs> be prepared. All right. Tell me what is the biggest, no, that's incorrect. Uh, how can someone add immediate value to you or your business? Wow, that is, you weren't kidding. <laughs> um, uh, honest feedback. Uh, it's honest so feedback. rare to get honest feedback. I feel like 
it's something that um, so many people are kind of afraid to give. And I'm so grateful when I get it. Um, so yeah, honest feedback, brutally honest feedback. Thank you. I, I, um, I, when I, like when I teach or when I offer stuff, I always ask for people like testimonials, but I always say honest feedback. Tell me the truth. Tell me yeah. exactly what it is, how you perceived it. it uh, you won't hurt my feelings. Just give it to me so I can know how I can improve for the next time or the next person, next consumer. So. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's part of coming, what it, you know, what it means to live a life of purpose, right? Like, because you want to be better. And some people don't want to hear it because they don't want to be better. And and so, yeah, I think it's so rare and so valuable. And I, I appreciate it so much. It's funny sometimes when people, you know, they start by apologizing to me because they're going to give me honest feedback. I'm like, no, no, I'm so grateful for this. Trust me. Thank you for this. Yes, and, I really appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. So next question is very similar, but this time, uh, how can someone add long-term value to you or your business? Hmm. Um, Long-term value. Uh, um, uh, interesting. Um, I guess you know, um, be a partner. Help me change the. Help me change the world. Help me, you know, be a part of it. Be, uh, you know, be be supportive. Help. Let's let's make the uh, let's make this whole industry better. That's that would be it. Be it'd be being a long-term partner. That's that would be. Yeah, that'd be it. These are tough questions, though. They're they're definitely designed to stump, and I, I I like it. Yeah, and I I so they're designed to stump, and they're also like I do. I have a selfish play in there. I want to figure out how I could best serve too. So uh, what I'm gonna do is I would like to I'm gonna provide some honest feedback. And to be honest, it's like this has been one of my uh, the best interviews I had so far. So I'll probably get with you and write up like a guest or a testimonial, something. I just want to provide that. That's how I can add that immediate value because this has wow. been great. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The all right. So this next question, we got three more questions. And I'm gonna let you go. So the next question, I, I want to know, like, they, it, this wasn't on a list, but I want to know, like, you have a lot of expertise. Uh, I want to know three books you recommend to the audience and why? Why you pick those three books? Wow, interesting. Um, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, classic. Uh, um, it's one of those ones that really resonated with me. Um, it, uh, it's so funny that, you know, it's, it's broken out into like e almost like multiple books in one book where each one's kind of, uh, uh, talking about a specific, uh, kind of area. And, uh, um, and for anyone who has read it, like, you know, you, I'm sure you have your 10,000 hours in real estate and, you know, it's, it talks about expertise and, um, and challenging the status quo and, um, and how outliers are very successful but they're often rejected by the industries that they're that they're sort of leading and so i think outliers was uh that was a book that really resonated with me um, i'll go for another classic um awaken the giant within anthony robbins um i had some serious health issues uh almost 10 years ago and um it was actually one of my physiotherapists um who recommended um that book for me and it was one of those books that um um, I, I, uh, at the time it just really landed for me. And, uh, I think it's a classic, uh, for a reason. I think it's, um, it's not all just a bunch of empty hype. It's, there's a lot of really good substance in it. Um, and then the third one, this will be a real curveball. Um, it's called happiness and it's by a Buddhist monk named Matthew Ricard. And, um, 
it's uh it's actually <laughs> it's it's all about how the it's all about um um you know it, um hap about how happiness doesn't have to come from materiality and it comes from within and uh so yeah interesting i wasn't expecting to ask those ask that at all but i feel like i've come up with three that i'm actually really proud of that i came with on the spot that are all really good books well you added you added some of value to me because i i've never read outliers and but it makes sense on why you are like your the technology what you do is disruptive like your attitude like i just love your attitude i love your energy it's like look i'm gonna disrupt this i'm providing value to these customers consumers this is what i'm doing and you're an outlier and some people might not agree with that oh you're just cutting me down my commission look provide value so it makes absolute sense and i'm going to pick up that book today like as soon as we get off i'm going to pick that up because i have some issues with that too like i'm an outlier because i'm disrupting and going against the status quo so i really appreciate that and and then uh, I'm going I'm, to I'm take it easy on you. I'm not going to ask that last question. Uh, actually, <laughs> let me ask it. Where? What's one question you wish I had asked you and how would you have answered? It's not a tough question. No, I think that's really good ones. So it is tough, actually, because I feel like you've asked some, you've, okay. you've asked really interesting questions. Um, um, yeah, I feel like you got at the why, which is so important for me. Um, I don't like to just know data and facts. I like to know the why behind them. And I feel like you really got at that. And I'm glad that you did. So um, I kind of answered the opposite of your question. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's good enough answer. Okay. Yeah. Right. Awesome. I appreciate that. Where can, so we got the final question, the, the last question, that's, it's called the closing table, right? Because we're in real estate. So the last question at the closing table, where can listeners find out more about you online? Um, double.com, uh, N-O-V-U-L.com. Um, yeah, check it out. Um, you can Google me, Regan McGee, R-E-G-A-N-M-C-G-E-E. Um, and, uh, you know, most of it will be true. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think though this interview is probably, um, the best, the best way to get to know, but to get to know me, because, you know, on other interviews I've done, it's, uh, they're very focused on like specific trends in the industry or, you know, very specific things in, in technology and stuff. And um, this is uh, this is actually the first interview I've ever done where it was really, you know, kind of asking me probing questions about myself. So I don't think there's anywhere better to find it out than anything about me than right here. Okay, I appreciate that. And this, I, I just now start incorporating this and it's not really a question. Could you, if you had to leave us with one usually people leave they like give us a closing statement so uh, i got this from another guest that was on she was like uh one closing word her name was dewan she said give me a closing word so give me a closing word you can't explain it like what's one word you would give us relentless relentless okay i like it i should i, I, sh I should have known thank you so much <laughs> this has been this was one of my favorite interviews yet thank you so much regan i really appreciate you thank you very much i really appreciate absolutely. this absolutely bye-bye